because we are born with a drive to seek out the things that are of God. In this eight-second video, Beth Moore seems to deny the doctrine of original sin. I say she seems to do, because the entire talk linked below provides a charitable view that she simply misspoke. Now, as I was preparing and organizing material for my previous video, I received an update from the Barna Group titled Perceptions of Sin and Salvation, which I have linked below. And I thought about trying to include some discussion of the Barna update in that video, but that would have lengthened the video and also been, strictly speaking, off-topic. But it's still relevant to the topic of the relation between original sin and political solutions, but in a different way. A way that still demonstrates the importance of understanding the relation of original sin to political solutions, but also makes the connection between treating the problem of original sin and healing our civilization. An executive summary of the Barna findings would be something like only one-third of American adults believe in salvation through Jesus Christ. The majority believe that salvation can be earned. Now, there is not a single orthodox, with a lowercase o, denomination which teaches that salvation can be earned through works. Not even Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, my Protestant friends. I'm not going to cover that right now, but that point does need to be made up front. Now, many members of these churches may believe salvation can be earned through works due either to inattention to the instruction of their teachers or to a failure on the part of their teachers or some combination of both. The reason no one has ever taught salvation by works is because of the doctrine of original sin, by which, for present purposes, I mean simply the doctrine that humans bear the consequences of Adam and Eve's disobedience, the first of which is death, both spiritual and physical. By virtue of our spiritual deadness, we cannot perform works that will save us. Dead people perform dead works. We need life, a life which is given to us by being united to Christ, and it is in that union with Christ that we are enabled to live righteously, to perform good works, however imperfectly. Now, no one who accepts this can believe salvation can be earned. No properly instructed professing Christian should believe that. But, as I learned from the Barna report, many do. Barna's research shows that Americans have adopted a perspective that salvation can be earned. 48% believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good things in life, they will earn a place in heaven. More disturbing is that a majority of people who describe themselves as Christian, which is about 52%, accept uh, a works-oriented means to acceptance by God. Most disturbing, however, is that huge proportions of people associated with churches whose official doctrine says eternal salvation comes only from embracing Jesus Christ as Savior believe that a person can qualify for heaven by being or doing good. Now this number includes about 46% of adults associated with Pentecostal churches, 44% of mainline Protestants, and 41% of evangelicals. 70% of Catholics embrace this point of view. Now, let me reiterate, none of these churches teach, at least not officially, that acceptance by God can be earned by being or doing good. 
This shift is negatively affecting individual commitment to personal evangelism. No surprise. Only 49% of Americans believe they have a personal responsibility in appropriate situations to share their faith with others. That is down slightly since 1991 when 53% of adults felt they had such an obligation, according to the findings. This makes sense. If people can be rightly related to God by their own efforts, evangelism is rather pointless. Why preach, repent, and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Why preach the message of the cross, appealing to people to lay hold of Christ by faith in order to be saved? Why do any of those things if they can perform the saving acts all by themselves with the requisite amount of good behavior? So the reason I believe this is important is because for many years, Protestants, especially of the evangelical variety, have been talking about the need for revival. Uh, you can go back to listen to the, the beginning installment of my series on reclaiming Christendom for a little bit of uh, personal testimony, my experience with the religious right and their desire for and their prayers for revival. Uh, but I digress. Of course, this is frequently the case with evangelicals, whose lineage goes back to the Great Awakening of the mid to late 18th century and other subsequent supposed awakenings. Basically, evangelicalism is revivalism. But in recent years, evangelicals have been joined by non-evangelicals in calling for revival, even though they would not use that term, favoring the more appropriate term repentance, national repentance, since it is the nation whose revival we seek. Recently, about a couple months ago now, Jay Dyer streamed a catechetical talk, which I've also linked below, by Metropolitan Jonah of the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia, or ROKOR, on the subject of national repentance. Roman Catholics of my acquaintance are praying the rosary for the healing of our nation. So, however we may express it, there is a desire for what evangelicals call revival. And the problem, and it is an important theological problem, is that in the scriptures, revival does not have the meaning that evangelicals give to it. Evangelicals, when speaking of revival, speak as if the nation, the United States of America, is in need of revival. But this presumes a specific sort of relationship between the United States and God. And since we're talking about a Christian view of revival, we need to be clear that by the term God, we mean God the Father Almighty, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important to point out because in Scripture, Revival is always used of God's covenant people. In short, if we're to be precise with our terms, the only body of people to be revived in the United States, or anywhere in the world, is the body of all press professing Christians uh, here in the United States. Now, given the aforementioned statistics, it should be obvious that it is the church in the USA, and not the USA, which needs revived. If about a half of professing Christians don't believe one of the crucial doctrines of the Christian faith, then Christians are in no spiritual condition to be hoping and praying for a revival of the USA. My own denomination, sadly, the Presbyterian Church in America, known for its stalwart conservatism, both theologically and politically, um, my denomination is the denomination that fostered D. James Kennedy, R.C. Sproul, um, my denomination, getting back to my point, is 
we have no room for smugness. Uh, and hopefully we're not inclined that direction, but things being what they are, it wouldn't surprise me if there are some in my denomination who experience a bit of smugness when we compare ourselves to other denominations. But we certainly have no room for this smugness. Uh, only 66% of PCA members polled believe in God with any certainty. Only 45% rely on the scriptures for guidance on right and wrong. 41% rely on common sense. 70%, or rather 7% philosophy, 5% science, and 2% don't even know. Uh, only 41% believe in absolute standards of right and wrong. 56% believe in situational ethics. 44% report reading the scriptures at least once a week. The next highest group, 31%, seldom or never read the scriptures. 12% of us do not know whether the scriptures are the word of God. 15% believe they are not. 49% <laughs> of PCA members report believing that homosexuality should be accepted. 40% that it should be discouraged. 40% of PCA members favor same-sex marriage. 49% oppose it. Now, those numbers are coming from a Pew Forum um, site, which I will also uh, put in the description box below. Now, in thinking about original sin and political solutions, the topic of my last production, we have to ask about the likelihood of solving any of our problems on the assumption that solutions are possible in the first place. If, in a denomination such as mine, a denomination with a reputation for theological conservatism, only 45% rely on the scriptures for guidance on right and wrong. That is, what kind of solutions to our problems, all of which come down to ethical problems, can we expect Christians to deliver if less than half the members of a conservative denomination will consult the scriptures for ethical guidance, while the other roughly half of members rely on common sense? the same source of ethical knowledge relied upon uh, by those currently destroying Western civilization. At the end of my last video, I said the reason political solutions don't work is that our political problems are spiritual in nature. All our problems, political, cultural, however we want to define them, are caused by human concupiscence, original sin, our sinful desires are the problem, and these sinful desires won't be legislated or adjudicated away. The only solution Christians can offer is the conversion of heart, which takes place when the gospel is believed. But as St. Paul said, the gospel cannot be believed if it is not heard, and it cannot be heard if it isn't proclaimed. And it will not be proclaimed if those who claim to believe that gospel reject the doctrine which tells us why all men need that gospel. People who can make themselves right with God by their own efforts don't need the efforts of another. They do not need Jesus Christ. And what this means, of course, is that prayers for revival in the land, if there is to be such, must be much more specific. Our prayers for revival must be prayers for revival in our churches. Hashtag not all. Um, but specifically for a revival of the teaching and preaching of sound doctrine, which doctrines will in turn be believed by the members of those churches and then proclaimed to those outside. In short, 
our churches need reformation before they can seek revival in the land. Peace be with you.